You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 855 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Tuesday into Wednesday morning here, and we are two weeks from the NBA draft, so plenty to come on that subject, including later on in this podcast. Brian Schroeder joins me to talk about Killian Hayes, a very intriguing prospect in the 2020 class, and someone I think the Hawks should at least be considering, and we'll talk about him later on. But before that, I want to plug a couple things here at the top. I talked to Josh Lloyd for about a half hour on the draft yesterday that ran in our podcast feed, as well as on Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Josh is very smart. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that one if you listened to it. Also, I want to go ahead and plug the other times that Brian's been on the podcast, including with Denny Abdia earlier this week. In fact, there was a little bit of mild news on Denny on Tuesday. There was a report from Ethan Sherwood-Strauss at The Athletic on Tuesday that Abdia's, quote, rumored preference, end quote, is the Golden State Warriors. That should not be a shock to anyone, obviously, since they draft number two overall, and also he'd be a great fit there. That's something I've always said about Denny, is that he would be a fantastic fit with with the Warriors. Not the highest upside guy in the world, but certainly someone who does a lot of things that the Warriors would value. He'd be great as a role player alongside of their stars. But Ethan also mentioned that Abdi has talked to other, other teams, including the Hawks, and a lot of people were sort of sending that link and all that stuff. I get why it's newsworthy on paper, but honestly, it shouldn't be a surprise, and it would be much bigger news if the Hawks had not talked to Denny Abdia at this point in time, especially because he's been working out in Atlanta for training uh, in, in advance of the draft, and honestly, the Hawks should have talked or basically have talked to all of the guys that you would expect them to talk to in their range. Abdia could be gone by six for sure, but he is firmly in Atlanta's theoretical draft range, and the Hawks should basically be talk, talk to anyone by now. I mean, they've had so long... The in-person workout part of this is interesting. The Hawks have been pretty buttoned up as to who they've actually worked out. But in terms of, of the actual, you know, just talking, discussions, interviews via Zoom or in person, they've talked to basically everyone at this point in time. So that's not really huge news. But I guess it's something I wouldn't make too much out of it. But I wanted to go ahead and point that out because people were asking me about that on Tuesday. Before we continue on the podcast, touch on the news as well from Tuesday on on two potential formats for next season in the, in the NBA. I want to tell you about our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are up to 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like caramel, brownie, lemon, almond cheesecake, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. From there, it's also important to note that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are high protein, high fiber, low calorie, and low sugar, and Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and when you do that, you get 20% off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, for 20% off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. All right, and before we finish up with Brian on Clint Hayes for about 20 minutes here in a second, there is some news to get to from Sham Sarania of The Athletic on Tuesday evening. Sham's reported that the NBA Players Association is planning to vote either on Thursday or Friday on two potential formats for next season. He notes that, quote, players coming out of several meetings believe a December 22nd start is inevitable, end quote. 
But then he also goes on to outline two scenarios, one of which is that December 22nd date, but the other one is into January. Keep that in mind. It, it definitely appears to be the favorite is the pre-Christmas date, which is what I've said before is my estimate as well without reporting it. But there, obviously the, the word inevitable is pretty interesting there in a lot of ways. By the way, there are other negotiation points like the escrow for player contracts, but still people I'm sure are focused on the schedule first and foremost when it comes to the public facing side of this. And I'll go and I'll sort of go into that now as to what was reported from the athletic on a Tuesday. The December 22nd start date is, is the one that, again, that the league is pushing for, I think. Uh, it, would, it would involve a December 1st training camp start for about three weeks. That would include three to four preseason games reportedly. Out of a 72 game season with 14 back to backs per team, that's a lot in that in that sort of a short time span. Um, from there, you have an All Star break for six days in early March. The regular season would end in mid May with a play in tournament happening from there in both conferences, and then the playoffs would start in late May with the finals finishing up approximately July 22nd. The other proposal is for the January 18th. That's that's MLK Day. That would be the start. Camp wouldn't open until after Christmas for about three weeks with the same preseason game schedule, but then it would only be 60 games in the regular season instead of 72. That's one big split here. Also, 24 back-to-backs per team. Almost double the back-to-back, which I'm sure no one would be terribly excited about. Basically, everyone from travel, all that stuff. And by the way, travel is going to be a big... Uh, I would say logistical nightmare this this season, but that's something that we'll deal with later. But yeah, 24 back-to-backs. All-star break still, which surprised me for six days in early April, and then the regular season would not end until June, followed by the play-in tournament in both conferences, then playoffs start in late June, with the finals ending somewhere in the neighborhood of August 21st through the 23rd. So, you know, logistically, a lot to get to there. Um, the timeline is still pretty narrow for the, for the actual... NBA and the Player Association to come together on an agreement in time to do the December 22nd date, but the league wants that, TV partners want that, and um, you know, schedule-wise, in terms of normalcy, once it actually got going, it'd be much more normal. With that said, the timeline is so short that there's nothing normal about going from the draft to free agency to playing games before Christmas. But once you got on, once you sort of sort of got got on track, you would certainly note that it's um, more normal from there. It, otherwise, the January's timeline, yes, you have the longer ramp up, but it becomes much more of a sprint with all the back to backs, etc. For what it's worth, I did see one hawk weigh in on this publicly. That's Brandon Goodwin, who who was sort of publicly tweeted in favor of the 72 game schedule. Keep that in mind. I'm not sure how that voting is going to work. And again, Sean's reports says it's going to be Thursday or Friday for that. And then from there, they have to formally agree to it with league, etc. But it does seem like whichever side the player association votes on there is probably what's going to be the plan moving forward. Nothing official, but that is the latest on that front and uh, sort of the biggest change in terms of uh, actual concrete details in a little bit. So I wanted to pass that along to you now. Okay, after a quick break, you will hear from me and Brian Shorter talking about Killian Hayes and all kinds of NBA draft fallout, so stay tuned. But here is a break to hear from our sponsors. Brian, we're back to talk about Killian Hayes, a very interesting prospect who I know I like quite a bit, but is not someone who's often associated with the Hawks, so this ought to be interesting. Um, I guess broadly speaking, where are you on Killian? Are you closer to people that have him near the top of the draft or closer to the mainstream where people actually uh, seem to have him like in the teens for some reason? A lot closer to the top. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> I had a number one for like three months. So I don't think I, I, I disagree with that now because I do think his flaws are a little more worrisome. But yeah, I think in this draft, I, he's still top five. He's going to be top five. That doesn't matter what I do. So what he does at this point. Yeah. So. You mentioned his flaws. What what do you think they are? Let's, let's start there. We'll go to his strengths in a second. What, what are you worried about with Killian Hayes? Uh, burst. 
Like I do, I do think, because even Luca has that has problems with it. It's just like sometimes he just can't get around people, um, and he's gonna have that problem, and he's gonna have. I do think he's gonna be a little less. I mean, I don't know. I want to say he's gonna be less reliant on his physicality, but he's like six five and a half two twenty five. So he is going to bully a lot of guards. Like, there's not going to be many guards in the NBA that can stay in front of him. That's where most of his value comes from: is the fact that he is a point guard and he can he can just bully people. Um, I don't know. Is I guess his biggest flaw is that he can't use his right hand for much of anything. But I don't. That doesn't bother me as much. I think that's part of. The, I think that's a little bit of a. Uh, I've talked about this before, but I think people, people react more viscerally to left-hand dominant players than they do right-hand dominant players because most people are right-handed. It, it doesn't look as strange to them when a guy can only use his right hand. I am, I am very sure that uh, I'm very sure that someone listening to this podcast is laughing because this is a point that I also make. It's uh, yeah. it, it drives me crazy because it, it really gets overanalyzed and it's not that it's wrong because he is left-handed dominant. It's just not a point that you ever hear about right-handed guys. <laughs> it just no, doesn't ever happen. You never hear it. And I, as as a as a uh, cross dominant person, I think I, I think I pick up on it more than a lot of people do. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I tend to worry a little bit about his burst. Going back to what you said before, um, not not a ton, but I think he can be heavy footed too. Yeah, he's not explosive in like a traditional point guard sense, but he is bigger. So if he, if he was six two, and had the same burst issues it'd be more worrisome but when you're six yeah. five it's not it's as same, big of a deal it's i mean he's got a very different body than shay but shay had that same concern too and it's not affected him that much because because he's six five six six and long i mean it's just it really yeah. helps to be uh, enormous as a point guard um the other thing about killian that you hear is about his jump shot like where people kind of stand on that it's come, it's, that at all. it's come along so you're not worried what, what do you envision that looking like in terms of when he gets to the league and eventually where he settles he can't shoot spot ups like he doesn't know how to because he's had the ball his whole career at this point because he's always been a point guard. So I just think he needs to learn how to shoot like a standstill jumper, which I it's again the easiest thing to teach someone how to do because he's a he's a terrific pull up shooter. Like he's going to be he's got all sorts of step backs and, and like spin jumpers and like little half jumpers. He's got great floater range. He's got great. He's got the great uh, when he goes between his legs, he can go th- two or three different ways. Which makes him really difficult, and then and then if he gets on you, if he like gets past you, he's just stronger than you are. Like I could say that pretty confidently about almost any guard in the NBA. He's when he gets when he gets to be twenty four, twenty five, he's gonna be stronger than these guys. So and he changes speeds like a like literally like a, like better than like Jeff Teague does. Jeff Teague is a pro. Just thinking of like a, a guy who is decent at changing speeds. I mean, that's the thing that took Schroeder so long to, that he didn't become any good until he could do that. And Killian does that like he's been in the NBA for seven or eight years already. So, like, that stuff I'm not worried about. I'm really not worried about him. He's extremely high floor to me He's because he's got, like, he. I think he will shoot pull-ups well. He may have some struggles. His shooting percentage may be mediocre for a year or two because he's, he's, he doesn't get all the way to the rim, but he's got the great, he's got great touch. He's got that great ability to, like, force his way into little gaps and hit flip shots like Luka does. He's good at defense. That's the other thing about him. Like he kind of plays like stylistically, he plays a little bit like D'Angelo Russell, but he's like a good defender, team defender especially. Like lots of like pretty high steal rate. He'll block shots when he gets. Guards will try to put them on 
put him on their hips and he'll just go to the, he'll just follow them and block the shot out of their hand because he's bigger than they are, which is uh, effective defense. Like it's good. It's a good way to defend if your guard Harden does it. Sometimes it's like the thing he's good at. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm very like I, I'm. Killian is not like he's so young too. He's I think he's younger than well. He's one of the youngest players in the draft. Like he's developed in such an interesting way that I I really feel like. No, he's a little older. I'm sorry, he's older than Noel, but uh, I still like he's not going to be 20 until next year, next July. So he turned 19 what less than three months ago, as we, as we're talking. So yeah, he's he's very young. And at least, at least when when you take into account this uh, extended period of time, he would have been 18 at the draft. Normally. Yes, he would have been 18 at summer league too if it, there had been a summer league. So R.I.P. Summer League. Yeah, it may not ever come back. Sadly, yeah, we'll um, see. I'd be very like he also his his maybe his biggest strength he's a he's just smart he's just a great passer and a great like just has that ability to read the court and know what he's doing he's the best he's probably the third best decision maker in the draft as far as just like a, a doesn't make bad I mean he has some turnover problems too but again he was the lead guard on a pro team at, as an eighteen year old so but like that's gonna happen. In like a, in the in the BBL the Bundesliga like a, D, a pretty good league, so like that's not I'm not concerned by that really. I guess he can have he has he does have the flashy pass problem sometimes, but uh, most point guards have that problem, so I'm not really particularly worried. Yeah, and by that I mean he'll by that I mean he'll sometimes be like I should go behind the back at this end. You, know, <laughs> you get better at that. Yeah, Steph he's Curry not, has that, had that problem for 15 years, probably. including the uh, the most high profile uh, incident of that. But yeah, it's I, I think the only. I'm with you that he's pretty high floor. I think the only way it doesn't work offensively is if the jump shot just kind of doesn't get there all the way and the finishing is still bad, which is not like a 0% chance of that. But I think that I I trust the jump shot enough where it won't be like a giant colossal problem. And as big as he is, as young as he is, as crafty as he is in a lot of other ways, I think he'll be able to finish eventually. Like that's one concern I do have is just not getting all the way to the rim and finishing. But I think there's time for that to improve at his size, especially it's not like he's small. If he was small and couldn't do it, I would worry, but yeah. it's not that it's going to be, I think it's definitely possible that he becomes a solid enough finisher. Yeah. He's big. He's, he's like a big guy. Really. If he can learn to use his right hand at all, he'll be, he'll be fine. One if Melo, and if Melo wasn't in the draft, he, you probably hear more about his passing. Like you probably hear more about yeah. his passing, you know, obviously Melo is a special passer. So that, that's the first guy you hear about. He's more famous quite obviously. And Hayes is not someone that a lot of people have seen. Um, this is, the, like uh, us, this is the, the weird thing about this draft is that there's a lot of really, really good passers. It's like the one like the real, the weird, and I would say Hayes is a clear number three for me. Who's number two? Halliburton. Howard yeah, he, he, yeah. I, I think it's different because Hallie is not necessarily, and we'll get to him later, um, but not necessarily someone who's creating off the dribble, so it's just different. No. But his, his vision's really good, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So that's Hayes. You talked about his defense, too. I'll, I'll follow up with that for a second. Like You mentioned his defense being good. I totally agree. He's big and physical and strong and smart. Very physical. Is he, he going to be like – He loves hitting people. Is he gonna be really good defensively? Because that, that's that's the question I would have about him is like how good? I think mean, we almost everyone agrees it's gonna be pretty good or better. But can he be like a plus plus defender, or is it more like I mean, what's what's his defensive comparison? I would not say like probably not. I would say probably not plus plus just because he's not quick enough. 
Yeah, like, he, he kind of almost has to guard too sometimes. There'll, there'll be some small I, guards that he can't guard. I don't think. Yeah, I, I think I think he's helped a lot by the by two point guard lineups in the NBA, and like or not just two, but like two guard lineups because he'll guard the bigger guy and he can do that. Oh like, yeah. Uh, like say for like it's just the Nuggets run that Monte Morris uh, and Jamal Murray lineup. Like they were they like to run so much. He can guard either one of those guys. I mean, Monte is not fa- not fast enough to get around him that much, that often, and then. Like he will be fine. He will be more than acceptable guy to put on somebody else's lead scoring guard, unless it's hard because you can't put anyone hard. Yeah, um, <laughs> it doesn't matter who guards. I, 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 and I think well, you can't put a guy who likes bumping people on hard because uh, oh, he found out. <laughs> Oops. Um, and like, uh, but yeah, like I, I would be confident in him guarding most guards. He'd be a great guy. It's part of the reason I'd like the Celtics to get him is he'd be a great guy for other teams to put just put out there to have box smart out because he can. He's bigger and stronger not a lot stronger but he's bigger than smart and he has like a better reach he's a very good rebounder very good at just like again he just likes aside from Okongwu of all the guys we talked about he's the guy who likes just putting his body on people the most and he's a point guard which is it's yeah, different it's yeah it's, it's definitely weird um before I ask you about the Hawks on him which is interesting um before that what is what does his ceiling look like because that's a question that I think people have differing opinions on like if you're a team for instance like the if you're the pistons if you're the knicks like can he be your number one creator is that is that is that in play like what's it what's the best case scenario like reasonably for killian hayes if he's your if he's your if he's your like the guy point guard for your team uh what d'angelo russell was for the nets last year but like a good with, defender with better defense yeah i mean yeah and that's not like i'm yeah. not the biggest russell guy in the world but if you put in defense maker. yeah if you put in Better defense, it's a lot – you know, Russell is not my favorite offensive player, but he certainly can do a lot on offense that's effective for you. So I would say, like, the extreme ceiling, which is – I would say is, like, uh, probably the 1% chance of it happening is, is playoff Jamal Murray, where it's just, like, un, like unguardable shot maker. Yeah, if he starts shooting like that, then it's, it's curtains because he's, you know, good at everything else. Um, okay, so with that out of the way – I had to ask you about the Hawks because I have been a voice in the wilderness talking about how I would, I would very much consider taking him at six and just keeping him as the Hawks. Yeah. Um, now that's, that's seen as somewhat controversial. I think I, I hear, whenever I say that people, uh, people, I hear from people that don't love that idea. Cause of course they had Trey young and I'm not saying, you know, Trey's still the guy. There's no question about that. But with what we, what we both just said about Killian, who's a legit six, five, a good defender. Um, he might be six, six. Yeah. I can see sure. that working. That's plenty. It also, you know, it's the, it's the famous, you know, he could run the office when Trey sits. You could put, you could put Trey off the ball some more. I, I like, I like a lot about how it might work, especially, especially, especially if he could figure out how to play off the ball, which he's never done as you referenced yeah. earlier. Um, that's probably the biggest question that I would have, but it sounds like you would at least consider doing it at six if he was there. Well, there's the thing about Trey, like it's fun that he has, this much responsibility, probably as much as anyone in the league. But like you, if you're, when you're going to be good, you can't have him have the ball 99% of something. Eventually you have to get someone else. And like, it's clearly the kind of thing Herder is that, but the, who knows about Herder right now? We don't know. And like, they just don't like, who is their other guard? Like I, I think, they don't have a backup point guard. I think they are going right. to finally do something about backup point guard this year um, in some way, whether it be in the draft or for agency. But the last, you know, the last, ever since Jeremy Lin left, 
it's basically a season, basically a season and a half of not having another capable ball handler on the roster. And yeah, there are guys that can do somebody. things like they, they, they believe in Herder. They believe in Reddish as someone who is like a secondary ball handler type, but they don't have another guy who can run the offense right now today. It doesn't mean that other guys couldn't become that eventually, but every Hawks fan is listening to this now knows that one of the bigger problems last year was anytime Trey left the court, it was just a disaster. It, it really just was yeah. unwatchable. And like, Whenever they're planning on being good, you have to have that guy. Now, maybe I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Maybe they are bad again this year and they get like Jalen Johnson or somebody next year, and that helps that. But they want to be good. That's the thing. I mean, no matter how you think about like whether it's a good idea or not, I can tell you the Hawks want to be good next year. But, um, but yeah, like you're going to have to get the guy eventually. And it, I'd, it'd be great if it was a 6'6 guy. That'd be nice because you could play them together. Yeah, that's, that, that, that is the ideal. The, only, the only way it makes sense to invest a ton in that position is if you find a guy who can do both. And people always talk about Halliburton, and that's not my favorite. I, I would much rather have Hayes than Halliburton in that role. Not close, honestly. That's just me, and we'll talk, we'll talk about Halliburton later. But if I have the choice of, you know, hybrid guard that can run the offense when Trey sits and play alongside him, I think Hayes is a better prospect and a better fit. That's just me. I would say... Halliburton is a better fit for that specific role, but but I, I would take you know, Killian could become much more. He could become your second star easily. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good way to put. It. I, I probably should have said the way that I, way that I said it because Halliburton, with his shooting, he's a he's a more natural off ball player. I'll, I'll, I'll give yes. him that. He is he is that's all he is. Yes, he is my favorite college basketball player, maybe <laughs> of the last twenty years. But like he's he's not a point guard. We'll talk about that. Oh, thank thank God for saying that. We 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 we're, we're, we're going to talk about him later on. But uh, we are aligned there. Every time I hear him referred to as a point guard, I want to yell because he's not a point guard. Anyway, you can't, you can't be a point guard if you have a sub fifteen foul draw rate. Like you just can't. Yeah. You so uh, <laughs> we'll save that. I tried. Well, uh, we'll we'll save that. Back back to Hayes. Um. So he's obviously a guy who teams like the Knicks, like the Pistons like the Suns maybe might want to go up and get. Um, so that's on the table. He could also go ahead of the Hawks somehow. I'm not sure how that's going to happen. But if you're at six and you're the Hawks, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to pick it now for sure, but it sounds like you would at least think about it. Cause I, know I think I he'd be the first guy I look at, honestly. Okay. I mean, that's – honestly, that's on – my, on my big board, in terms of just like my overall board, he is going to be the top guy available, I think when the Hawks pick at six. Now there is some fit consideration because of the uncertainty about his off ball play. And you got to think it's going to work eventually, or it's not ideal with Trey young, but again, six, five, six, six good defensively can hide trade defensively at times as well. Um, run the team with Trey sits. I mean, it's, it's just not that hard to, to see the role. I know it's not like the most perfect encapsulation of a role in the history of the world that people want, but Hayes is both good as a prospect and also someone who would fit in Atlanta. And I'll go down with the ship on that one. I'm not saying they have to take him. If they pass on him, I'll understand it to some degree. But, I mean, if you don't have an offer for him from somebody else, if he's still on the board, I think you got to think about it like pretty hard. He's just really good. I don't know. I would definitely – I think the offers might be really interesting too, like what you could find. Because I said this, you could get – the Celtics could be really interested in him. Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix might want him. New York might want him. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe not Detroit, but uh, maybe they would. They're they're a pick behind well, you. Uh, Detroit, and, Detroit apparently likes him a lot. From what I've, what yeah, I've, I've heard, I've heard that. that as well. And if they got desperate to go up one spot, I mean, the Hawks have not really done 
that I mean, other than the the Luca Trey trade, they haven't really done like the value thing. They usually are the team going up instead of down. At least last year they were. But I mean, with two teams directly behind you that need point guards, you know, you might want to put the pickup for sale if Killian's available, and you can still take him anyway. But you just got to think. I mean, I'm I've been saying the whole time I've listened to offers regardless in this class. Um, but I mean, I, I just wanted to see. Six is a great see, spot to to offers. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, it's hard to project those offers, and it, it really depends on who's available. Because if Killian's gone by then, maybe the market dries up a little bit because the teams behind him are point guard needy, and maybe they don't want to go up for somebody else. But I really just wanted to ask you and get, get on the record, like that you would think about Killian there at six for the Hawks. It sounds yeah. like you you like to. Fit. I think I think the concern with that though is that this is a this is a pretty point guard heavy class, like especially relative to tell the rest of it. There's I would say the top 45, it's probably like 18 or nine, like at least 15 point guards. Like a There are like so a, many point guards between like 25 and 45 for me. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> there are, but, but the Hawks don't have a pick there. So it's not like, it's like, you know, I'm sure one of those guys is going to get to 50 if they are still holding their pick, but that's a different player slash role than what you're getting with Killian Hayes. I mean, if you're getting, Cassius Winston or whoever, whoever Ashton it is. Higgins, come on down. Oh, not well, Ashton Ashton Cassius, Cassius Winston is a top 25 player, sir. So He's not going to go there. I think we both know that probably. But yeah. Maybe, that would uh, be cool, though. Sidebar, sidebar I, like, I like Cassius with the Lakers. Am I, am I crazy? That, I like him anywhere he can get the ball a lot and do, and do Cassius Winston stuff. I have, I have mocked him to the Lakers because – and this we're off the rails. But uh, – he can do his own stuff, and also he's a great shooter, and you can play him with LeBron, and he can just take open shots. He's not a great shooter. He's the best shooter, like overall, like ability to shoot the basketball from everywhere on the court. He's <laughs> the best guy in the last like six years. He does not miss shots. As someone a, who watched he's a lot of superhuman, yeah, he's a he superhuman shooter. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah, Hayes, a guy that. We would both consider uh, we will do a cash spot, cash spot at some point. But um, yeah, Killian Hayes, a guy the Hawks should consider. Brian likes him. I like him. The fit is interesting. I mean, do, do you buy the off-ball shooting as, as the last thing here? Do you think it's going to work as, a, as an off-ball player? Because again, again we, I, we, we just haven't how seen How many it. players have not ever, had never gotten better at it who were, good, who were like good foul shooters? That's the thing. He was an overall like high 80s foul shooter. Like I can't imagine a, a guy who shoots around like 87, 88% not being at least able to be like an average three-point shooter. It just doesn't happen. I agree. All right, this is Brad coming to you post-production to wrap up today's podcast. We'll have much more on the NBA draft in the next two weeks, of course, while keeping an eye on free agency, CBA stuff, and much more. Check out Brian's work at Cosmos on Twitter and on, on his Patreon page. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Or follow me, if you want to, on Twitter at BT Roland. Subscribe, tell your friends, leave five-star reviews, etc. And we will see you next time.